You're listening to HR Mavericks, a weekly podcast featuring leading small business HR professionals who share their experiences and insights to help you know how to turn your HR processes and employee experience into a strategic business advantage. Let's get into the show. Welcome to the next episode of HR Mavericks. I am your host, Garrett Justice, and today I'm joined by Natasha Weebush, who is a legal and HR writer and also an attorney in recovery. Natasha, welcome. How are you doing today? Hi, good. Thank you. Yeah, also dog mom, other title. (laughs) And dog mom. Good. Love it. Let's just keep adding to those titles. Hey, we are so excited to have you on the show today. You know, uh, before we jump in, we really like to get to know our guests. So tell us a little bit more about you being a dog mom, a legal and HR writer, an attorney in recovery. Tell us more about that. Yeah. So, um, Attorney in recovery, very accurate. I started out my career in actually securities litigation um, and moved into employment law and HR um, compliance. And I really love that area. Um, I've really, you know, I really dove into HR best practices um, and what we can do to better serve employees in the workplace. Um, That led me to content writing. um, And that's what I'm doing right now. It's uh, really rewarding to communicate with folks like you and other HR professionals and, you know, get them on the right track. Love it. Tell us a little bit more about that transition where you, I I think there's, there's a lot of attorneys, at least that I know who get into it and decide, I don't know if I really want to do this and kind of are become that attorney in recovery, if you will. Yeah. But tell us about that transition for you, where you went from attorney to, you know, not practicing anymore and really focused on, you know, legal and HR writing. Um, well, it was a pretty easy transition for me because I've always, you know, whatever job I've been in, I've been in charge of creating, you know, either content or curriculum. Um, and before law school, I was doing content writing here and there just, you know, for friends or by word of mouth. Um, so it was a pretty easy transition, but what was weird about it was, you know, not being busy on the weekends as a litigator, Mm -hmm. sometimes you are. Um, so that was actually just kind of (laughs) nice. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a good transition. And so tell us a little more about what drew you to, you know, the HR space in your focus on, you know, law and also writing, what is it about the HR, you know, employment space that really drew you? Um, well, I actually had a course in law school, uh, called labor law. And I found it really interesting because, um, I liked that area, title seven anti-discrimination law. Um, it was just a really, it's not just an interesting space, but a space that has changed a lot in recent years. Um, and once I got to legal action in Wisconsin, which is where I practiced employment law, um, I really felt a connection to it. Um, so that's kind of, you all kind of find your interests in law, even if you don't want to be an attorney. That's what mm-hmm. I tell people if they're considering law school, you might not be a lawyer, but you're going to find a lot of interesting topics that resonate with you. Um, and for yeah. me, that was employment law. Awesome. Well, we are super excited to have you on the show today. And I think you bring a unique perspective compared to many of you know the guests that we've had previously, because I don't know if we've had any attorneys on the show, but I love really? that you have that <laughs> that experience between, you know, that overlap between HR and also that legal background, I think that's going to be super valuable for our topic today. So as you and I discussed, what do we talk about on the show today? You kind of mentioned this idea of DEI training. 
diversity, equity, and inclusion training for employees? And how do you do it successfully? I think this is a really important topic because it's so important, but it's also a topic that can be kind of sensitive for people because they don't know how to do it well. They don't want to do anything wrong when it comes to this topic. And so sometimes they might, especially small businesses, they might kind of avoid it, right? They, They just don't really go there because they don't really know how to do it successfully. So I'm really excited to kind of tap into your knowledge and your experience with this topic to really provide some tips for our listeners of how do you do it? Why should you do it? And how do you do it really well? So should we jump in? You ready to get going? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Awesome. So first question I have for you, just really set the stage here is explain to our listeners out there who might not be as familiar with it, just to level set for all of us, what is DEI training and why is it important for businesses to do? Yeah. So DEI training in employment context is employee training that's focused on providing skills and knowledge to employees um, on the topic of DEI in a way that relates to their everyday jobs. Um, And it's important because, um, I mean, it's important for the company because it improves the, how employees feel at work. Um, it's overall good for the company, for their bottom line, uh, as diverse teams perform better. Um, and actually I wanted to share some resources that folks can look at to see what, you know, the research says about, um, equitable workplaces. So one of those, um, is McKinsey company. They Mm -hmm. provide free research and reports online. Um, they have a report that's called diversity wins, how inclusion matters. Um, that was, published in 2020. So it's a recent report. And basically what they found was that diverse companies are more likely to out, outperform um, their counterparts financially. Hmm. Um, and then there's a good Harvard Business Review article. And that just points to a lot of different research. And it's called Why Diverse Teams Are Smarter, um, which is kind of you know, an eye-catching title. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just covers a bunch of different research um, showing how diverse teams problem solve. Um, and how they innovate. So those are just yeah. two resources that show the benefits of DEI training. I love um, it. Yeah. And we'll be sure to drop those links that Natasha just shared for all those listeners out there into the show notes. So you'll, you'll be able to find those links there. So thank you for sharing that. I think this is, this is a really important topic again, like we mentioned. And yeah, as we, you know, as we jump into this, one of the questions I really have is I think a lot of times people hear DEI training um, or they hear just the term DEI and they think about race. Right. And I think that's the, just the tip of the iceberg there. So what does diversity, equity, and inclusion, what can that include? And what could that mean at companies outside of just the typical race? Right. Yeah. So diversity, equity, inclusion, that includes a lot of, uh, different groups of protected classes. If Mm -hmm. you're looking at it from a compliance standpoint and just, um, people with diverse backgrounds and life experiences. So if you're looking at it, Again, coming at this from as a former attorney, if you're looking at it as a from protected classes standpoint, it depends on what state you live in um, and how big your company is if you're covered by federal law. Um, and that does not just include race. It's also religion, sex, national origin. Um, and there are other laws that we have uh, that protect veterans, for example, mm-hmm. Um and it can really, you know, it gets broader and broader the more that we learn about life experiences and where our employees come from. Um, yeah. What I think it's is important is to look at it from a broad perspective yeah. um, and keep an open mind. 
I love that. And that's exactly what I was going to point out too. I think that, you know, that's, that's kind of like the, the legal definition there of some of those protected yeah. classes, but at the, <laughs> at the end of the day, it, it really is about how do you bring diversity of thought and experience into your workplace? Because just like you shared with some of those articles that there've been a lot of studies on this that prove that there's a financial impact. There's a return. Most successful businesses have that diversity of thought and experience in order to relate with their customers and basically do what they do better. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And innovate in particular. I don't remember the title of the study, but it was by Google. No, was it by Google? I believe so. I'm sorry. I'm I'm trying to remember, but it was that uh, teens innovate quicker in diverse Uh settings. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So I know, I know you shared some of the um, those articles that we'll link to that really talk about the benefits of DEI training for for people out there who feel like DEI training of employees doesn't actually work right in helping uh, the company be more diverse and inclusive. Um, why, why would that be, you know, and, and where should that DEI training really fit into a people strategy for helping a company actually be more, you know, diverse and inclusive? Yeah. So I'll, I'll take that question. I'll answer the first question, which is, um, you know, why do people keep saying diversity, equity, inclusion training doesn't work? They have valid reasons. And there are a lot of trainings that don't work. Um, and there's reasons why it doesn't work. Uh, the top let's say top three reasons I can think of are first, um, the training itself, a lot of DEI training, it teaches concepts of diversity, equity, inclusion, but it's not really relating, um, directly to the employees, you know, day-to-day work. Mm -hmm. And the truth is it does relate to everybody's work, um, because everybody interacts with other people at work. Uh, But sometimes employees need more specific examples of like, okay, give me a scenario when this would happen and I would apply this new skill that you're teaching me. So that's one reason. Um, And the second uh, that's brought up often is something called stereotype threat. And that has to do with how trainings are framed. Um, And if you if you frame any training in a negative light, such as like, you know, we're we've made this mistake Um, these employees have made this mistake. Now we need to bounce back. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of employees might not take that well. Um, And that reduces uh, training. They call it knowledge transfer. Um, Basically the employee just doesn't want to engage with the training. And I actually, I worked with a professor. Her name is uh, Dr. Shannon Roski and she studies stereotype in, in, or stereotype threat in training. Um, And she did a study of sexual harassment training with police officers And what they notice is that if you frame a training and you say, this is, you know, um, an offender, and this is the person who uh, was, you know, treated poorly at work or sexually harassed, that training didn't work well at all. (laughs) And some trainees actually, they showed retaliatory behavior in that they're, um, they showed more sexual harassment behaviors. (laughs) Um, And so basically uh, what Dr. Shannon Rossi says is if you frame something more in a positive, like you know, we are allies and we can help each other through this. Um, trainings tend to do better. Uh, and go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, that's fascinating. I think that what that really stands out, uh, what what stands out about that to me is it's, it's kind of like taking a more proactive approach to this across the company rather than reactive, right? Are you doing this because 
someone got in trouble and you need to like reprimand someone? If so, it's probably not the right way or time to do a training like this, right? It's yeah. more about being proactive in that process. So, so yeah, yeah. I, I love, I love that thought. And then like, like I mentioned before, the next question really on this topic is like, where should that really fit in with the people strategy in order to be successful? Right. I think DEI training needs to be one of many portions or really like pillars of a DEI strategy. Um, the way that I think of DEI training is if you're building a chair, DEI training is one, one leg of the chair. Mm -hmm. If you just do that, it's not going to work. You need other mm -hmm. things. Um, so there are other, um, strategies that you can incorporate, like having, um, employee resource groups, looking at your benefits and compensation, mm -hmm. um, looking at other aspects of your company or, uh, and incorporating DEI into that. So it really depends on the size of your company, what industry you're in. But essentially, you want to take a holistic view at what you're doing um, and how you can make every, you know, whether it be compensation or day-to-day mm -hmm. -day activities equitable. Yeah, I love it. Awesome, awesome tips. And so next next uh, question I have for you really is, you, you mentioned that you had this experience um, implementing a successful DEI training in the past at a predominantly white college in Wisconsin, right? Yeah. And I want I want to dive into that experience a little bit more and have you tell us just a little bit more about that so we can kind of extract some of the, of your learnings from that of like what made it really more successful than, you know, previous attempts. Yeah. Yeah. So when I uh, was in HR compliance, that was one of my main duties was to create a DEI training program. Um, and one of the trains that we had to uh, create was a recruitment training for all employees um, who wanted to participate on a hiring committee. So that's, you know, people who are going to hire another person for the university. Um, and what I did is I collaborated with two professors in the MBA program. Um, and they basically shared their knowledge with me about what makes employee training successful um, and what changes we could make to, to you know, give us the best chance of being successful. Um, mm -hmm. And then they studied the training. So what we did is we created a training that used positive frames or, you know, allyship at the fore. Mm -hmm. um, we also made the training so that people would break down into groups multiple times so that they can apply the knowledge to their actual job. Mm -hmm. um, and then the professors studied that to see what was the knowledge transfer. Did they leave that training knowing something new um, or understanding what the concepts were that they were supposed to understand? Mm -hmm. um, and the, the outcomes were positive. There was absolutely knowledge transfer of Title VII rules, um, affirmative action policies, and how they can incorporate that knowledge into the recruitment process that they were a part of. So that was just, it was really interesting because if I hadn't reached out to those professors, guaranteed, I wouldn't have had as successful of a training. Um, yeah. So, yeah. That's, that's super fascinating. So you did this training at the same time you were doing the research with those professors to see how effective it was. And if I understand uh, the experience right, there had been previous attempts to really train employees on this topic that had kind of failed. Is that right? Yeah, they, they'd had um, a previous training or attempts to train employees um, but it was a more broad training. And that's where I learned a lot about making sure that whatever employee training you have, you have to, um, impart skills and knowledge that the employee knows, okay, I can apply this to this mm -hmm. specific, you know, thing about my job. In this case is recruitment. Um, and also in the past, um, it seemed that there was, 
a little bit of stereotype threat of people being afraid to go into the training because they're afraid of being accused of something, Mm -hmm. which that's a normal reaction. It's a, it's a sensitive topic, kind of how you mentioned at the beginning. Um, So what we wanted to do is say, this is something that we all want to do together. Um, We want to be allies to help each other out through this process of learning about DEI. Um, And this is how you can apply it to your job. So I love it. I love it. I, I, um, this is such an awesome, um, topic and, and really good experience, you know, as we kind of, as we kind of sum this up, I know you've kind of mentioned a lot of these things, but really just to kind of put a bow on it, you know, what are, what are some of your learnings and takeaways from that experience of doing that training and also the research to really see how effective it was. And, and kind of the second part of that is in addition to your learnings and trainings, what recommendations would you have for listeners out there who want to do something similar? Yeah. Um, the main thing I learned from doing this or doing that training was that if you, again, frame it positively for your employees, do it consistently, um, and give employees other opportunities to participate in DEI, um, you'll have better outcomes. Um, and one of the other things that uh, we did as an office uh, that I didn't mention was we created an entire training program around the recruitment training. So people or employees could attend um, a foundations training to learn about the foundations of DEI. They could go to um, different events and get credit and then get, you know, rewarded for their participation. Um, So, you know, giving employees a lot of opportunities um, is also really helpful. And one thing that I would suggest, um, especially if you're in a small business um, or you're, you know, one person team, which I know that's a lot of HR professionals, um, is don't show up shy away from creating, they're called micro trainings, but they're just like 15 minute trainings where you go through one DEI skill um, and you talk about it. And you could do that, you know, once a week or mm-hmm. at your monthly meetings. Um, those are good ways to keep it on people's minds. Um, but also, uh, you know, if you're one person, you can't train every single employee. It's a way that uh, employees can kind of train themselves and talk about it themselves too. I love that tip. I think it's really just about starting the conversation about it at the, at your company, right? So people know yeah. that it's important and you, with those micro trainings, you can start to give them, you know, tangible tips around certain topics related to DEI. And especially like you mentioned, if you can apply it to their individual roles, so they know how they could kind of take this back. Um, I could definitely see how that can be super valuable and an excellent starting point for small businesses who know this is important, but don't really know where to get started. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, microtrainings are really, they're really useful. Um, a lot of companies do it and you can actually get, I don't know if you've heard of trailhead. Um, that's a free Mm -hmm. online training resource and, Mm -hmm. um, they have some examples of short, like 15 minute trainings. So awesome. Awesome. Well, we'll drop, we'll drop a link to that in the show notes as well. So if any, any listeners out there can find it. So Natasha, this has been such an awesome topic. I really appreciate you joining and sharing your, your knowledge on this super important topic and, um, and your experience doing it successfully. So thank you again for joining us as, as we kind of wrap up here. One of the questions I like to ask all of our, all of our guests on our show is really about 
uh, not necessarily related to our topic, but related to the mission of our community, HR Mavericks, which is really about democratizing HR knowledge. So if there's one tip or recommendation that you have for our listeners of something they go and do this week to really strengthen or improve their HR people functions, what would that be? Um, I guess something that I started to do that helped me um, is I made sure to have one positive interaction uh, with an employee that didn't have to do necessarily with HR. Um, just reaching out to somebody and saying, do you want to have a coffee, talk about how you're doing, or just stopping by somebody's office. I think that goes a long way and it helps people remember that, you know, HR is not just there to be there when there's a problem, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which in HR compliance, that often was why I was contacting people. So, Mm -hmm. um, I think it helped just to, you know, keep on a positive note and, um, check in with them. I love that tip. It's so tangible. It's something everyone can do. And and you're right. I think a lot of times, especially those solo HR people face, um, challenges where they're seen as really like the red tape people, right? The only reason why yeah. HR would be reaching out is, um, if there's some, some sort of issue. And so when you can just normalize HR and the role that you do and people start to appreciate a little bit more. So I think that's, that's where it starts is just getting to know people and reaching out, seeing how they're doing. So love it. Well, Natasha, thank you again so much for taking the time to join the show today. If there are listeners that want to get in in touch with you about this topic, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, If you want, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn um, or you could send me a message. I actually have a blog lawn labor um, com. So if you want to contact me through there, that works too. Awesome. Well, we'll drop the links to both of those in the show notes as well. So Natasha, thank you so much. Really appreciate thank it. You. Hope you have a great rest of the day. Thank you. Today, enduring companies know that their people are their most important assets and they invest in helping them excel. But often small businesses with limited HR resources struggle to manage their people, payroll and processes efficiently and create an environment where frontline deskless employees thrive. That's why we created Eddie. Eddie is the all-in-one HR suite built for local businesses that streamlines tedious HR processes and improves the employee experience for frontline workers. With Eddie, you can hire, manage, pay, and engage employees with one easy-to-use software. No headache required. You've already done the hard part by creating a great business. Now let us help you take it to the next level. Visit eddie.com today to request a demo.